the Emperor Constantine and those around him legalized Christianity in the fourth century, about 300 years after Jesus. They quickly made it the religion of the state. Before that time, following Jesus could literally cost you your life. At first, people looked at it and said, Hooray, the empire is more Christian. But it was not long before they realized that what actually happened to Christianity is that it just became more imperial. And I'm pretty sure that nowhere in Jesus' preaching does he seem the least bit interested in forming an empire. About a thousand years earlier, the Assyrian Empire was taking over everything, not the least of which was Israel, and not long after that, Judah, just Israel south. They rolled in with their army and they said, we're in charge now. At that time, a prophet named Micah started talking. But Micah did not spend his time criticizing the actions of the Assyrian Empire. Instead, he preached personally with language to both Israel and Judah about a problem that he perceived with their leaders. But I don't think the last of Micah's opening lines, even though he talks about children, is directed at parents. Instead, it's directed to the leaders, the politicians, the priests, the mayors slash governors, and all those that forgot that the people they were elected slash appointed to serve were never meant to be used as brokering chips, but rather to see us, the people, in the same way that a mom looks at her children. But it's not all the fault of the leaders, because the people of the land were just as guilty. Not the least of reasons being, when they began to see themselves as entitled. And so Micah, in a brilliant moment of satire, ends his opening statement in chapter 1 with this line. Make yourselves bald. Cut off your hair. Because of your pampered children, Make yourselves as bald as the eagle, for they have gone from you into exile. But get this, Micah and the existing remnant of God's people in the middle of the 8th century B.C. never once said that they were going to solve the world's problems. Instead, Micah stood before the few people who would actually listen and he kept saying one thing, one warning, one promise, maybe even in the form of one word, God. The people objected. Why? How? And Micah may have answered them, because God. 
Micah 3, 9 begins a section that begins with the word here. Same word that opens the all-important command in Deuteronomy that we call the Shema, the word Shema in Hebrew literally meaning here. You know, as in, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, love the Lord your God, you know the rest. So in that tradition, here, the, I don't know, maybe what we can call the Micah Shema, beginning in Micah 3.9. Hear this. You rulers of the house of Jacob and chiefs of the house of Israel who abhor justice and pervert all equity, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with wrong. Its rulers give judgment for a, literally a piece of money. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets give oracles for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, Surely the Lord is with us. No harm will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house of a wooden height. But in the days to come, The mountains of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised up above the hills. Peoples shall stream to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways and that we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall all sit under their own vines and their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its own God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who are cast off, a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion now and forevermore. You know what this reminds me of? That picture that Micah paints where the remnant or the people who are at this kind of final party that seems to be happening at the end of that statement. You know what it reminds me of? There was a story that Jesus told about having this gigantic you know, party 
kind of like the end of the story. And they invite everybody. Everybody gets to come. But when the RSVP started rolling in, it was all regrets. Sorry, can't make it. Nope, can't come. And nobody came to a party that Jesus was throwing. You know, Jesus invites you to a party? Sorry, not today. Do you know what Jesus said? Here, I'll just read it to you. Luke 14, here's the story. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of land. I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. By the way, that's so lame. <laughs> the oxen are going to be there after the party for Pete. Anyway, I'll, this is Jesus, not me. So, another said, 20, in case you got lost, 20, verse 20, another said, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. So, the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, go out now into the streets, the lanes of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind lame and the slave said sir what you have ordered has been done there's still room and the master said to the slave go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled for I tell you none of those who were invited will taste my dinner now can you imagine first of all saying no to the promise of God try it's actually not that hard and while I would love to say that the Micah Shema contains an offer you could not possibly refuse the truth is it's up to you I mean this really does come down to waking up in the morning and saying am I going to say yes to God but to make clear what the promise is to the remnant did you hear that line in Micah 4, verse 4? I mean, you don't remember anything else out of Micah other than the beating swords into plowshares thing. That's actually from the book of Micah. But this one, this is the one that contains the promise to the people of God who say yes to God like Jesus' dinner party. Micah 4, 4 but they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. To sit under the tree 
unafraid. You ever afraid these days? You ever worry? Are you scared? Do you ever look into the crystal ball that we all think we have? We don't, by the way. That, if you want to know the truth, is the news just trying to sell airtime. But do you ever squint into the future and see darkness and devastation and destruction? Do you know what the remnant answer from Micah is to that prediction? Your God is too small. Micah's God is a God that fulfills promises. And we may not be able to see it right now, but it's a promise. And it's something worth hanging our hat on. Micah's God is a God that fulfills promises. Automatic rifles with expanded magazines will be melted down into toaster ovens and shovels used to plant fig trees that we can sit under completely unafraid. Micah's God is a God that fulfills promises. The lame, the blind, and all those that acceptable society rejected, according to Micah, and it seems like from Jesus' story about his dinner party, that those are the people that just might make up the remnant of God's people, and they may not walk good, and they may not talk pretty, and they may not say the right things. They may have weird taste in music, and they may have pierced ears, and they may have shaved heads because their entitled neighbors were carted off into exile, and there wasn't a thing they could do about it. And so you know what the lame do? The lame and the blind sit right next to the repentant mayor and the socialite who realized that she said no to God's invitation because she had just gotten too caught up in standing in line for the next latest, greatest smartphone. But then all those people repented and then they limped over to the community garden and they all sat with one another under the fig tree that they planted and they all shared. And as they sat there with humble hearts one extraordinarily pleasant autumn afternoon eating homemade fig newtons, they all took turns going around the circle and saying to one another as they looked at each other, and you know what they said? I'm not afraid anymore. And when the circle made its way around to Micah, who also sat there under the fig tree, he did not say, I told you so. And you know what Micah said? I'm not afraid either. And they asked him, why not? And you know what Micah said? Because God. On that day, Micah taught us this, and Micah will keep teaching us this.
This is one of the many endings of Micah. This one's in chapter 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. At the risk of offending you, we need to do better in this country at doing justice, at loving kindness, and walking humbly with our God together, not apart. And what better place than here? And what better time than now to do those very things in this church, in our outpost of the kingdom of heaven, as we look forward and ask God, because this is one of the things on the table right now, right? As we look forward and ask God, God, what do you want from us in the future as this outpost of the kingdom of heaven? God may be speaking to us today through old Micah and telling us exactly what God wants from us in the future, which is exactly what God wants from us in the present. This is not hard. It's not complicated. But it's going to take intentionality and commitment on our parts. Let's do justice. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's start talking and let's figure it out together here under the shade of the fig tree. Let's fall in love again with kindness. And we know exactly what that means. We don't have to define it. You just have to do it. And let's walk humbly with God and sit humbly with God under the fig tree, and people are going to ask us. And when people ask us why we are no longer afraid, we can give them the answer that Micah seems to be giving and Jesus gives, and we can practice in this place. Because God, 